I understand the frustration of feeling like you need to justify your choices. Explaining your lifestyle over and over and over again because everyone from random strangers to even your own family just doesn't get it. Hey, I'm Allison Conway. That's why I'm here to help you build a profitable business that gives you the freedom to travel and work from anywhere. I've been there. And in this podcast, I'm going to share with you the real actionable how to's so you can finally confidently say it is a real job, dad. This is a soul fire production. I am about to be talking to Sheena Works, who founded SheWorks. She is an absolute sales genius. She helps her clients go from low six figures, if not before six figures, all the way to multiple six figures and seven and beyond. Hey, Sheena. Hey, how are you? Good, good. How are you? I was just talking about how much of a genius you are. And I just went through your course, Six Figures Sales Equation course, and it's so good. There's so much stuff in there. You and I share a pretty similar sales philosophy in that if you have something that can actually help people, then you better go out and you better sell it because otherwise you're just hoarding your gifts and you are keeping people from actually being able to make change. Um, so, so tell me in your course, you talk about what sales is and what sales isn't. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think, you know, I'll start with some of the biggest misconceptions about sales. Um, and it's that it's slimy or that it's forcing people to do something they don't want to do. And I don't know if I can curse, but I'm going to, and, and they please do. It out. Okay, cool. <laughs> but that's total bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> sales is not at all about coercing people to do something they don't want to do. Right. Uh, I, I believe truly that sales is all about service. The best way that I can serve people is by having something to offer them that they actually need. So most of the time, people who think sales is like slimy are not aligned with what they're selling at all. They just have something or are jumped into something because they need to make money. Whereas the best part about sales is that you're solving a problem. Like the most simplistic part about sales is that it's problem solving. If you yep. can solve somebody's problem, the truth is they should pay you to do it. So, so that's the most simplistic way I can describe the difference between what sales isn't and what it's not. The misconception is that it is gross and that it's forceful mm-hmm. and that it's misaligned and that it's, I don't know. It's just bad. <laughs> like selling is bad when in reality, it's literally something we all do every single day in a number of different ways. You just don't realize it until you realize it. But. Yeah. I think people think sales is, you know, the, the vacuum salesman that would show up on your doorstep (laughs) and would like squirt ketchup on your, on your floor (laughs) and say, look, I can clean this up. Isn't this amazing? It's like gimmicks and tricks and things to try to get you to convince you of something that you don't actually need. When in reality, all it's doing is saying, Hey, I think you need a thing. I think I could actually be the person to help you with that thing. 
And then I'm going to charge you money to help you with that thing. Yeah. You know, a lot of people that I talk to always go back to the used car salesman. Like you said, the vacuum cleaner guy, Mm -hmm. but the used car salesman. And the truth is that you walk and and I just want to paint the picture of what the used car salesman intentions are. You walk down the lot looking to solve a problem you have. While not the right way of approaching a client, I will say that Mm -hmm. they're solving your problem in the best way that they knew how or the best way that they've been trained how. That's not the same for digital sales. Like, don't Mm -hmm. be the used car salesman of digital sales. And the cool thing is you don't have to be. You don't have to be because that's not how problems are solved in the real world anymore. Like, that's just not how things work anymore. That's not how, you know, you talk to your friends or that's not how you connect with other people people in your space. It, none of that is how it is. So mm-hmm. when you keep the old or like disconnected ideas of how things are now versus how they used to be, it creates this, honestly, this disconnect with, with sometimes your entire business. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me if you were just getting started and you didn't know anything about sales, you feel a little awkward when you ask people for things. What's your process? How do you go from getting somebody to even get on the phone with you in the first place to then actually selling them something? Yeah. So I'll tell you, uh, before I started my own business, I actually did hate sales. I was the person that I'm telling you not to be. (laughs) I, I hated it so much. Um, and it was because I had this misconception of what I was doing. So for me, the biggest thing and the very first thing to do is, is get your mind right around it. It's, you know, and, and to go on a step-by-step process a little bit, number one is, do you actually like what you're selling? Do you like what you're doing? ask yourself these questions. Do I like what I'm doing? Am I aligned with what this is? And if it's a product, a service, an offer, whatever it is, am I aligned with it? And if your answer is no, don't sell that. Don't do that. That's not right for you. Another question to ask yourself and something I've asked myself a lot is, do I believe that I can do this? Mm -hmm. And the truth is I said no a lot, but I did it anyways. Mm-hmm. Because I knew I could, I believed that I could solve a problem. So the third question is, can I solve a problem that I see out in the world? Like, can I actually solve somebody's problem? Do I have the skills, the capabilities, the knowledge to do that? And the fourth question that I, I think that's fourth. The fourth question I would ask myself is, do I care if somebody says no to the point where I won't even ask for a yes? Mm, yeah. That's the hardest one. And I promise you that's the hardest yeah. one. But, but those are the questions that I used to, I, I used to ask myself and to be perfectly honest, still ask myself every time I'm put in a position to connect with someone. But the most underlying thing to all of that is that I never show up to a sales opportunity expecting to sell. I'm here okay. to say. Ah, okay. I love that. Tell me so, a little bit more. Yeah. So, you know, the biggest trick to sales is truly showing up, not expecting the sale at all, not having intentions on selling someone, not having intentions on making someone do something, right? That's the misconception we have about sales. Mm -hmm. So when you enter sales with a misconception of how to do it, you naturally do it in a way that you don't want to, which is convincing people. It's you know, coercing people to do things they don't want to do. So 
the best thing you can do is show up with the intention of serving at your highest level, giving opportunities and sharing how you can solve their problem. Don't full-on solve their problem, but showing people that you are the right person to solve the problem they have. Now, the, the problem can be anything. You know, they have no, no website. They have no design. They have nothing to share, right? They have this grand idea, but they don't know how to communicate it. Cool. Can you do that? Do you know how to communicate ideas mm-hmm. really well? And if the answer is yes, you, you share that. You share that you can, right? You don't okay. give it all away, which is a whole nother mess of things. But <laughs> if you show up with intention to, to serve at the highest level, to be a guide to whoever's on the other, maybe it's a call or other side of the DM or however you choose to sell, the pressure goes away. The pressure is eliminated entirely because you're not there to just make money and get something from someone and you're not, you're there to serve and guide someone to make the best decision for themselves. Mm, I love that so much. And that's still something that I'm learning every sales call I get on. I'm still overcoming that scarcity mindset, right? When I was just getting started, I didn't have any money. I didn't have any resources, anybody to really talk to, right? Like the mastermind group, you know, all of these, these people that you surround yourself with and the best business advice that I could ever give is put yourself in the room with those kinds of people to allow yourself those kinds of mindsets and mindset changes. But I remember when I was starting out, I'd get on a sales call and it would just be all, I have to get this sale. Otherwise I can't pay my rent. Otherwise I'm, you know, just eating a dollar slice of pizza for dinner again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've been there too. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, so do you have any insights or any advice for somebody who's in that place where it's like, fuck, I just got to make a sale. Like, how do I just I like, I have to start somewhere. Right. So before I can get into this place, cause I really do think that mindset stuff comes with confidence and comes yeah. with, you know, the more practice you get, of course, but then the practice part of it is the hardest part. Yeah. I think the very first thing that I would ask myself, and this is a little bit of a mindset shift to make, and that's, that's easier to make when you're a newbie and like a beginner and the more if you can master it the sooner the better is mm-hmm. asking yourself this question of why did why why is this my thing why am i doing this and and honestly i i've made lists and lists and lists of reasons why this was the right thing for me to do or this was the right offer to pitch and or this was the right direction for me to go in and so when you do that first, it kind of levels the playing field and reconnects you to why you do this at all. Because the truth is you chose this profession. You chose this job. You chose this, mm-hmm. your, your unique offer for a reason. And if you get disconnected from that reason and you, you get stuck in the cycle of needing the money, you get, you get stuck. I mean, you literally are stuck. So I always like to say, reconnect yourself to your why, to your point of North, to your reason for doing this. Like literally, why did you start doing this? My guess is because you're really fucking good at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so own that, own that you're good at it. Right. Cause why would you start a business on something that you're not good at? That's that's logical. <laughs> right. uh, people don't do that. Yeah. Um, so remember why you're here and why you're in it. The other thing is too, is to also remember that 
people don't know what you know. Mm-hmm. And so whoever is seeking out your advice, asking you to be like joining you on a sales call, know a, probably a third of what you actually know. You always mm-hmm. are two to three steps ahead of anyone that you're working with. You mm-hmm. should be two to three steps ahead. So no matter what you say, you're an expert in their eye. Mm-hmm. If you believe you are, which is why you always start with your why, because then you show up as an expert. Um, and then the third part of that is have a lot more conversations than you think you should. Mm. My first year in business, I talked to over a hundred women. Over a hundred. Wow. Most of which I said no to, or it was not the right opportunity because of a number of the same things that, that you've experienced too, scarcity mindset, not, you know, not being aligned, you know, all of these things that happen that smack you in the face over and over again. But the more women I talk to, the better I got at talking to more women, right? The more ideal clients or perceived ideal clients I talk to, the better I got at determining whether or not they were really an ideal client. The more conversations I had led to the more doors that were open for me, led to the more aligned conversations, led to a ton of more sales and a much easier time selling. Mm-hmm. But I always was open to having a conversation. 15 minute chats go a long way mm. when you need to build up your confidence quick. So where for you did those 100 women come from? How did you reach a hundred women? Yeah. So I actually learned a, a really cool methodology for organic marketing slash DMing people, not the Hey Girl way, but <laughs> DMing and asking questions. Um, one of my first business mentor, Shauna Bria, is incredible. And she taught me this methodology about how to show up as your authentic self and ask the right questions, you know, utilizing free resources like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whether or not you like them right now, you definitely should start liking them for your business yesterday. Yep. Um, but how to switch the idea that these platforms were used for personal to these platforms run my business. My entire business has been created, has grown, has existed because of Instagram and Facebook, primarily Facebook groups. So, you know, thinking with, I just ask questions in group. I never, ever say, Hey, I have something buy for me. It's Mm -hmm. always, Hey, is this a problem you have? So a hundred calls, Hey, I'm doing market research or, Hey, um, I solved this problem. Do you have it? Hey, what is, is this your problem? Like, for instance, like questions. And I do this to this day still, I still do this just because I like talking to people and I like asking questions. But like, for instance, last week I posted something like, what is your number one struggle with sales? Right off the bat, I'm doing a ton of market research. People are telling me what their problems are and I can go DM them and say, thanks so much for commenting. Let me ask, can I ask you some more questions? Can I learn more about you? See, because I'm not interested in just selling them something. I'm interested in learning if what I have to offer actually can help them. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing a lot of that like researchy work up front. So what's cool about that is people love to be listened to. Hey, I'm here to, I'm here to listen. I'm not here to sell you. I'm just here to listen. And if what I have to say serves you, let's work together. I love that. I talk about that all the time. People ask me, because I did pretty much the same thing, Facebook groups and just a lot of word of mouth and word of mouth comes from having been on the phone with somebody and somebody says, oh, go talk to Allison and Allison can help you with X, Y, and Z. 
And I say that, you know, you don't have to overcomplicate this. You don't have to overcomplicate talking to people. Business is literally just buyers and sellers. It is a human (laughs) being that has an offer that has a thing that solves a problem and another human being that needs that thing. And that has (laughs) a problem that needs solving. It really can be that simple. And I think, you know, myself included, especially in the beginning when I was in that scarcity mindset and just didn't understand, you know, you have to, you have to hustle to make money and you have to do all these things. You just go and you leave a comment in a Facebook group. And then suddenly that's a human being that you are now in front of and can, and can serve. Yeah. And, you know, I think you make a really important point is that it is a human being. I've had a lot Mm. of conversations with uh, new entrepreneurs, experienced entrepreneurs that just call them leads, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if if your audience is familiar with the term leads, but a lead is, is this like thing out in the world that you need to reel in and sell to. The truth is exactly what you said. It's a human being. So treat them like human beings, like talk to people as if you're genuine and you should be genuinely interested in what they have to say always think of the conversation, especially in the beginning as a learning opportunity. How can I learn as much as I possibly can about you so I can help you make the best decision? Mm-hmm. Sales is so much easier when you think of it that way. As <laughs> I have a hundred leads. Let me follow up on it. They're not just like numbers. They're, mm-hmm. they're real people they have real problems that either you can or can't solve. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, so from going through your course, I know that you are the fan of a, um, two call close. So first of all, tell me where your course is, where people can find it, where people can find you, because I've mentioned your course a couple of times. So I want to make sure people know what it is I'm referring to. Yeah. So you can connect with me on Instagram at Sheena underscore works. My course is right in my bio. Um, there's a link directly to it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I am a fan of two call closes because it's so there's two reasons why one, because I sell really high ticket offers mm-hmm. and most of the time I actually have to develop a plan for them. It's not like it's not a turn and burn type situation here. And I actually don't even like that word, that terminology. Um, but it's non-transactional. I don't think in transaction, I think in Mm -hmm. serving clients at the highest level and the best I can, which is very, very aligned, I think with, with the whole design world. And, And it's always about that client. So it's really understanding them. My first call is always about truly understanding who they are, what they stand for, what it is that they need. And then Honestly, I like to give myself enough time to determine whether or not I want to work with them. Mm. And that, that affords me the opportunity to take a step back, not jump to conclusions, not jump to asking, not jump to making a sale, but mm-hmm. I actually develop plans that are specific, obviously following my own framework, but specific enough to the client so that they know I'll deliver. They have full confidence in me, my team, my process, my work. when. I did deliver a proposal, not to mention the fact that they're already generally prepared for it to be a lot higher, potentially, most of the time it is, than anyone else that they probably have talked to. And so the, the nice thing about two call, call closes is that those, those space, right? But also you're mentally preparing your client for them not to low, you're not going to lowball yourself. Mm. You're not going to 
undercut your pricing, that you are an expert and that you serve at this level, whatever level that is for you, but you serve at this level and you don't accept anything less than that. And that's what two call closes really do is it helps create trust, likability, and honestly, it's super professional, in my opinion. I'd love one call closes for much smaller deals than this really high level of which that course is all about. It's really about Mm -hmm. how to serve at the highest level, how to sell your offer at probably double what you're charging right now. Because my guess is most people are undercharging already. A lot. Everybody is. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. Usually what I say to people is whatever your instinct is, write that down and then double it. Yep. Or sometimes even at a zero. Sometimes people are so low ball that it's like, no, you literally need to add a zero on top of this. Yeah. And the truth is that clients, this is the craziest thing in like sales psychology stuff is that people, if you are actually talking to the right people, they're going to think you're a joke if you undercharge. They're not going to believe that you actually can do the job. If you don't charge enough, they're going to say no, just because you're insane. They're going to think you're not. (laughs) It's like, what's like, is she really not that good? Or are they really not that good? Because this is not the quality or price point that quality dictates for the services you provide, especially in the design world and in the marketing mm-hmm. and the on the digital space. If you have a digital service, like you cannot undercut your pricing. One, you'll be miserable and two, they won't buy. Exactly. Exactly. This is so important because I think people assume that when you're the budget friendly option, then you become the no brainer, right? Like it's, it's this, you don't have to worry about selling this high ticket offer because you're the budget friendly offer. So, you know, and there is sometimes in the market, something to be said about that. If you are doing the volume at which that makes sense for you, but for designers, especially, and, and other, other, um, types of professions too. I was on a call with somebody with a copywriter that I was intending on hiring and it was really, her prices were so low and the way that she was acting on the sales call too, she didn't have any confidence and she, you know, I wanted her to tell me what to do, right? That's why you hire Mm -hmm. somebody. That's why you are, I'm going to a copywriter saying, tell me what to do. Tell me exactly what I need to do to make this better. Um, and her prices were so low and she just didn't have the confidence. And she was sort of looking to me to tell her what to do as opposed to the (laughs) other way around. And you know, she didn't, she didn't make the sale. (laughs) And that's the thing is like, she, she might not for a while. Right. Hopefully she figures it out because the truth is all well that I heard you say, and this is key point for anyone looking to hire or buy. Mm -hmm. These are what your buyers are thinking. One, is she, is she confident? Is she confident? Are they confident enough to own their expertise? And two, do they think that they can do this? Mm-hmm. And you, yep. uh, my guess is basically what you just said is neither one of those reign true for you. And, and I think that, um, I think a lot of that is confidence and practice on sales call. I think it's just both things, either a lack of practice or just not believing in yourself. And sometimes in the beginning, there's a lot of the, that imposter syndrome of who am I to think that I can have a successful business? Who am I to think I can do this and all that. And that is, um, I mean, that's certainly something that I still, still deal with. So 
it's for sure. But on, on a sales call, you got to show up as the expert that you are. Otherwise, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. What, are you, what are you doing? I mean, I think that's why at the core of it, right? The, at the core of it, what always go back to, why are you doing this to begin with? Yeah. Why, why did you pick this? design, social media, marketing, anything in the digital space requires you to own it. <laughs> you gotta like, but, but the, the cool thing is, is that it's really, it's like a, a mental check you can do uh, maybe before every call or maybe before you post, or maybe before you take an action to grow your businesses. Why am I doing this? Why, why did I choose this? It's a very interesting practice because when you do it enough times, you almost say, well, duh, this is why you do it. So get over yourself and go do it. <laughs> get over <laughs> yourself. I love that. That's entirely right. Get over yourself. <laughs> get over yourself. And, and that's true because it is, it is just our ego putting ourselves in our own. We are our worst nightmares when we put our <laughs> ego first and we say, well, who am I to do this? Well, you know, who are you not to who are you, exactly? Who are you not to exactly? Okay, so back to the the actual sales call. I want to talk about the anatomy of a sales call. So what happens on this call? What kind of questions should you be asking? How should you be leading them to understanding what it is that you're offering, what problems you're solving, et cetera? Yeah, so the the truth about the first call is that you should be shut, you should ask questions and shut the fuck up. that is the ultimate representation Mm -hmm. of confidence totally and the types of questions that you should be asking are all positioned in a way that lead the prospect to come to their own determinations about what they really need and that you're the right person so Mm -hmm. the truth is you should always start with getting them in a space where they're dreaming thinking big being excited about what it is that their future can hold right so, so asking questions like, what are your goals? What are you doing here? Like, what are you looking to do? And then you want to ask questions that have to do with, you know, what happens if this doesn't happen for you? Like what, what could happen? Like what will stop you from doing this? Right? Like I love to think in terms of like, what will stop you from doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, so, cause you want them to be realistic of like their own personal hurdles, but you're not telling them that they're telling you what they already know to be true. Mm-hmm. And then I always like to think in terms of like, what if, like, what if this works out? What if this doesn't, what if this is great? What if it's not and get them to mm-hmm. really share with you what they're worried about, what they're afraid of, what they're fearful of happening. Cause the truth is if you don't actually ask questions and not necessarily like, this is the sequence that I've learned and trust and know works really, really well. But if they're not telling you what the problems are, or what potential obstacles stand in your way of selling them, you're going to find out later. <laughs> um, and that's yeah. where two call closes get really scary because I know the fear is, well, what if they don't show up for that second call? Well, what mm. if they don't do this? Or like, you know, what if they just decide I, and they don't want to work with me after? Like, I'd rather just close them on the first call and be done. Yeah. Okay. That sounds great, but it's not realistic because of the truth of the matter is they have those questions. They already are talking themselves out of a sale before they even got on the call with you because they're expecting, most people expect you to say, okay, so how much do you want to spend? What is your budget? What do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Here's what I do. Here's this beautiful thing. I do all these things, but you're not really listening to them. So 
I love just asking uncovering questions, questions that get them to think deeper. And the biggest thing is, is to ask, well, what else? Multiple times for every oh, question. So good. Yeah. Cause here's the truth is that the first question, like, let's say for instance, if I'm asking you about your goals, I would say like, Hey, Allison, what is your big goal for the next year? Mm-hmm. And you would answer whatever it is. And I'll be like, and what else? Your mind, you're like, wait, what? You're not just going to settle for the surface level answer I gave you. And the truth is that first response is very surface level, not the truth. So I love to think of, and what else? And ask it two to three times for every question. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, that's how okay. I some top secret stuff oh, there. Wow. I don't want to think so that's good. in the course, but there's many more <laughs> courses to come on these topics. So, um, but yeah, but the truth is, is that, when you're first meeting someone like this is like dating almost like you're meeting them, you're getting to know them. They're getting to know you, your style, who you are and whether or not you're the best fit for them. So when you do things that other people are afraid to do, like ask more questions and shut the fuck up and listen, like actually <laughs> listen, you afford the opportunity for them to be really honest with you and vulnerable with you and real with you about what they actually truly are looking to do and what they need from you and what they need from anyone. Right. Um, so yeah, that's the biggest secret is ask a lot of questions and then truly your job is just to ask and then listen, not to cut them off, not to say you can really, you know, if there's a, there's a touching moment where you can relate, of course, but it's not Mm -hmm. about you. It's not about you at all. They don't care about you. They care about their problem being solved. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's where the ego comes in too. Right. And that's why I, I, um, one of the things that I teach and talk about, especially for designers is to follow up with anyone who's ever told, you no, because three months from now, right. Maybe they're telling, you no right now, follow up with them in the next quarter. Chances are they haven't been able to make what they said that they, they haven't been able to make the changes that they said that they desired to make especially for a website or branding or something like that, where it's like, I want to up-level my curb appeal. I want to be seen as the authority. I want to, you know, my online presence to be this certain way. And sorry, you can't do that on your own. That's not something, <laughs> that, you can, that's not something that you can DIY. So in three months, I'm going to follow up with you. And a lot of people will say, oh, well, they've already rejected me. Why would I go back to somebody that's already rejected me? Mm-hmm. What if you just pluck out your ego and say, this has nothing to do with you whatsoever. Their rejection, quote unquote rejection, they're, they're saying no to you has everything to do with the season of life that they are in and what's going on with them right now and nothing to do with who you are as a person or even who you are as a designer or a business mm-hmm. owner. Yeah, they don't, they literally don't give a shit about you. <laughs> They don't. And like, that is the hardest lesson to learn. I think in business is truly it's not personal. Mm-hmm. It is not about me, Sheena, the person, it's not about you, Allison, the person it's about, can you solve my problem? Do you give a shit enough about me to actually listen to me? And will you deliver on the results that I either tell you I need, or you're smart enough to figure out because you're the expert. Mm-hmm. And I like to think of it as like, you know, when you're selling, it's, it's selling someone what they need and giving them, no, selling someone what they want and giving them what they need. That's the job as the expert to do. So you mm-hmm. blow them away. 
But the truth is, yeah, maybe they're not in the right space. Maybe it's not the right time. Maybe it's mm-hmm. not. Your offer wasn't right for them at that moment, but no is always a not right now when it yep. comes to especially service-based businesses online. Because even if they did, let's say for instance, yeah, maybe they did get a website done. I've actually, this, this example is faxing the face a lot. Like somebody, <laughs> I'm, I'm very expensive for whatever I do. Mm-hmm. However I work it. And when I work at a high level with clients, I'm all in. And that's where mm-hmm. like, I've created a lot more, I'm creating a lot more offers to serve more people at a different level than that. But, you know, I'm never the cheapest option. And I say mm-hmm. that on the upfront, don't expect to be lowball. Like this is not about bargain shopping here. It's about quality and, and expertise. Yep. And I've seen it happen where people have like some, something launched or like I I'm have specialized in course creation and launching those as well, but they launch it and they're not happy with the results, but they chose something that was more affordable for them at the time. And my suggestion to them always is awesome. Get what you can work with now and go sell the crap out of it. Because mm-hmm. if you want to work with me, I'm not going to budge on, on me than mm-hmm. to you, but you can get to a place where we can work together if that's still an option. And that's where the follow-up is so critical. Because mm. if you forget about them, they're going to forget about you. And why, why would you want them to do that? <laughs> yeah, because by the way, they're not thinking about you at all. <laughs> no. But you probably should keep showing, just keep showing up for them. I asked, I've asked people, I've, you know, I actually yesterday messaged someone that I hadn't talked to in six months. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Hey, here's some ways that I think we could still work together when you're ready, when mm-hmm. you're ready, not yeah. because I need a sale right now or not because of this or that or whatever. When you're ready, I'm still here for you. Here's what it looks like today. Let me know if you want to chat. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a quick follow-up. Hey, when you're ready, here's what mm-hmm. I can do. There's another really great method too, is of course, with permission, getting anybody that's, that's told, you no, putting them into sort of a a special email list and just providing them with content every month or so, just saying, you know, here's some pieces of information that you may not be aware of about your website, about your branding, about whatever it is that you're offering. Yeah. That's super badass. I've been a big musical theater fan my whole life, both as a spectator and as a performer. I love musicals so much because in all of them, there are hidden lessons about grit, resiliency, embracing yourself, and even business. Each episode, I take a lesson I've learned from my favorite Broadway musicals and share them with you. Tag me at Allison E. Conway on Instagram and let me know what you thought of this week's musical-inspired lesson. Wicked is a musical about friendship, about change, about recognizing your purpose, saying no to what you thought might have been your purpose, but actually isn't after all. There's a song called The Wizard and I, and the whole show follows the Wicked Witch of the West from The Wizard of Oz. and. Glinda the Good Witch. They were actually friends. As it turns out, they went to school together and were actually friends. Now, Alphaba, the Wicked Witch of the West, as we know her, is born green. And this makes her sort of weird. And it's this weird quirk 
that she doesn't really understand. And she also has these magical powers that nobody else seems to have. And, and this makes her really weird and it makes her a little bit of an outcast. And the song, the wizard and I is the third on the soundtrack. Not that I'm counting, (laughs) but it's really the introduction of who Alphabet is as a character. And it's the beginning of her arc as the main character. She sings. A teacher has recognized her, her gifts, her magical powers, as gifts that the wizard would actually want by his side. And she starts the song by saying, did that really just happen? This teacher that has told me that that what I actually have is a gift. She sings this weird quirk I've tried to suppress or hide is a talent that could help me meet the wizard. There's two lessons in this song. First is exactly this, recognizing that this weird quirk that you have, this thing that you think you're supposed to suppress or hide is your greatest gift. It is your greatest talent. And you have to recognize that and you have to use that because that is your unfair advantage. That is the thing that's going to drive your business crazy. That's going to make your customers connect to you in a way that they don't connect to anyone else. Embrace this weird quirk. Embrace it. Own it as your talent. Don't suppress it or hide it. The second lesson is on a different note. Later in the song, she sings, when I meet the wizard, once I prove my worth. And then I meet the wizard, what I've waited for since birth. This is the beginning of her arc. And later on in the story, she's going to recognize that she doesn't have to prove her worth to anyone. It is inherent. But she doesn't understand that yet. She thinks that she has to prove that she is worthy of meeting the wizard. And of course, we know from the Wizard of Oz that he ends up not really being the guy that you care what his opinion is. He just ends up being the guy behind the curtain. And of course, we know not know that, but Alphabet doesn't know that yet. And she sings, once I prove my worth, and then I'll have everything I'll ever want. And she goes on in the song to talk about the vision of the life that she has, but she can only have that when she's proven her worth. You have nothing to prove. Your worth is inherent. You are inherently valuable to the earth. And those talents that you think are quirks are exactly what makes you so worthy. That authentic self, that weird stuff that you don't want to share with your audience, the behind the scenes, that's exactly the stuff that your audience needs to see. Now, Alphaba later on in the story starts to understand this. So I want you to skip ahead. (laughs) I want you to skip ahead to the part in the show where Alphaba learns her worth. 
And I want you to stay there. And I want you to share your quirks and your gifts. And I want you to know that you don't have to prove a damn thing to anyone. Okay, so talk to me about some objections. Some things like, oh my God, I was not expecting that price. Or I'm 100% in, but I got to talk to my partner because we share finances. How are objections like that? How do you handle those? Yeah, so I think that before you handle them, it's understanding what they actually are. Objections aren't no's. Mm. Objections are confusions. Objections are insecurities that people are actually sharing with you. And again, it's not about you at all right? So remove all the personal baggage, the ego around somebody giving you an objection. Because I've seen that ruin so many sales. Mm-hmm. Well, you said this and then I just gave up. Okay. Yeah. That, that's because your ego is hanging out here. This became much more yeah. of a mindset conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but but so sales, is. Sales, <laughs> sales is. Sales is all of that. Yeah. yeah it There's is. literally books on sales psychology, which I've read all. Because I'm a nerd. <laughs> but, but the truth is like, let's take the, uh, I have to talk to my husband. Objection. Mm-hmm. That's a very well-known partner, husband, wife, whoever it is you have mm-hmm. to talk to. You have to talk to someone before you can make a decision. I always say, hey, I totally get it. In fact, often what I offer is a call with them. If there's any confusion mm-hmm. that I can actually help work through, one, either tell me what's really confusing to you now, not like that direct, but hey, is there anything that's super confusing that I maybe can help prepare you for that conversation with? Or two, would you be interested in me actually booking a call with both of you? I absolutely love to make sure everyone's on the same page with the buying decision. Mm-hmm. Simple. Here are options. Mm-hmm. Cause what you're going to do, here's what's beautiful ab- about objections and not just saying, okay, bye is presenting another option for them automatically reduces that like guard that they have up that you're just going to mm-hmm. let them walk away. Listen, right. if I actually believe I can help you. I'm going to give you exert every resource possible to actually help you. So, you know, what you'll find out when you start asking more questions with objections is whether or not they really want to work with you. Sometimes you'll hear, no, that's okay. I'll just figure it out. And I know that's a trick. That's okay. Cool. Well, let me know how I can serve you best. Mm-hmm. Let me know what you need for me. And what are our next steps together? Great. Mm-hmm. I'll reach out to you in 24 hours. Awesome. Cool. I'll look forward to that. And if you don't expect an email from me, in the next 36. So mm-hmm. I'm having a conversation. I'm not just letting somebody walk away. I love that. Yeah, that was one. I've gotten the I have to talk to my partner. I have to talk to my husband. I've also gotten, oh my God, I was not expecting that price at all. Can you just <laughs> can you just do my website for five hundred dollars? Yeah, I love that too. I've actually gotten that so many times. Like, oh my gosh, this is so far out of my budget. Mm-hmm. Hey, guess what? I totally get it. Here are some resources or people that I know that can do it in the range that you're looking for. Mm. But the thing is, find out their range first, mm, right? Okay. So like, as soon as somebody says, Hey, you're so far out of budget, I really need this done and I can't afford you. Awesome. Well, what can you afford? Mm-hmm. And that trips people up. They don't want to be asked that. Hey, I, because sometimes it's embarrassing. Sometimes it's like, you know, they right. just don't want you to know. And I always come from the point of like, look, I want to serve you at the highest level I can. So if you let me know this, I'll either get with my team and see if we can help you in some way. Maybe it's a different package than this. Maybe it's something a little bit removed on what we've been talking about, or I'll point you in the right direction. I actually know a ton of people that can do the service and have different levels at which they work with people outside of what I do. Right. Mm-hmm. 
The other thing is that's why you have a two call close. Because you're asking these questions, you're finding out these objections in the first call. So when you present an offer, you already know whether or not you're going to be off base. So like asking, hey, what what is your budget? Have you thought Mm -hmm. about this yet? Is there anyone else I need to talk to that's involved in your decision making process? Is there someone else that needs to know this? That one is huge. And ask that on the first call because one of two things. Okay, great. I'll send you the recording of our call. I always record them so I can Mm. share them with you and you do quality control, whatever you want to say. I'll send you this copy so you can share that with them. I'll follow up with you in whatever amount of time. But I want to make sure that if I present an offer to you, if I present a package to you, that it actually will work for you. I'm not here to waste your time or mine. Mm-hmm. All of that happens in the first call. And you don't have to worry about if somebody can afford you or not, because you're already going to know. You're already going to know why. <laughs> <laughs> why even get it, you know? But I love having back pocket resources. That's probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. And the other reason is because I love supporting other businesses as well. I'm not here to hoard everything for myself. Mm-hmm. Do you ever say, you know, if somebody says, oh, that's too much, I can do half of that. Do you ever say, okay, well, this is what I can do for half? Sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's worked and it hasn't worked to do that, but Mm -hmm. that's why I I really believe in listening and and feeling, Mm -hmm. and and I get a sense of that person, whether or not they are just saying it versus they can't afford it. And my pull is to help as many people as human, as I humanly possibly can. Right. Like I have a big goal to help a lot of people. So part of it is if I can help them at a lower thing, do I want to, two questions I would ask, do I want Mm to, and should I do it? Mm. And if I do it, can I create something that will help more people? Right. Like, can this turn into an opportunity? Can I beta test a new idea? I see. And get paid for it. Cause I'm all Mm -hmm. about getting paid. Right. Yep. (laughs) And the truth is when I can answer, say yes to all three of those, can, can I help them? Do I want to do this? And can I turn this into something that will help more people? I'll do it. I'll offer it. And if they still say no, then it was never price, which starts with a new conversation of what actually is stopping you from this. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Cool. Let's talk about that. Um, But only do it if you really can say yes to all three of those questions. Mm Hmm. Okay. I love that. All right. So the first call you are shutting the fuck up and listening, asking (laughs) questions about, you know, all of their fears, all of the things that they want, their budget, their time, all of that stuff. And then do you schedule that second call at the end of that first one? Yeah, I would do that as much as you possibly can, because Mm -hmm. you're making a commitment to each other to show up again. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. If you are unsure about whether or not you want to work with this client, you don't, I mean, you don't have to do that, but if you want to work with this client, get them back to working with you or talking to you or exploring these options with you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then walk me through the anatomy of the second call. How does that go down? Yeah. So the second call, the proposal call is typically a call where you're presenting your offer as a solution to their problem. So if you did the first call, right, you actually listened to them. You took notes too. I forgot to mention, take notes, actually Mm -hmm. listen to them. Um, You presented in in the scope of, and, you know, based on our last conversation where you shared X, Y, Z with me, where you told me about this problem that you need help solving, and this was your budget and all of this, I put together a plan that I think will solve the problems that you presented. And I always preface it with, look, we're going to go over the numbers. We're going to talk about 
exactly how I can help you. And then at the end of that, I'm going to ask you whether or not this makes sense. I want them to know that this is a sales call. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not best friends. Like we probably became really good friends on that first call, but we're not friends. We're not yep. like besties here. We yep. are, I'm trying to help you solve a problem you have. So you make sure you have an agenda. Like, look, this is what we're going to talk about. This is what I'm going to present you with. And then we'll discuss whether or not it makes sense. I'll ask, you can ask me any question that you have along the way and I'll mm-hmm. clarify everything as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And then I share it. I share what the proposal is. And then I ask them to work with me. <laughs> <laughs> what? You yes, crazy. <laughs> that is probably the number one reason sales don't close is because you don't ask yep. for a sale. Okay. So how do you actually approach the question? How do you actually go in for the win? <laughs> yeah, there's so many ways to do it. But after presenting a proposal and seeing if there's any questions, I just ask, hey, is this something that makes sense for you? Mm-hmm. Are you ready to, to couple questions? Does this make sense to you? Are you ready to move forward? What do I, what do you need to help you make the best decision? Mm-hmm. Right. And you're going to find that uh, op, uh, objections come up in all of this. So you're, I'm already prepared. I know if once I ask these, any of these three questions, something might come up. And if it does, I'm already prepared because I'm not emotionally attached to whatever's happening right now. And so <laughs> well, I, don't have any, I don't have any attachment to what you say. My job is to serve, of course. Mm-hmm. And so re, re, depending on what they say, it's always with, great. Well, how can I best serve you? Look, if you want to move forward, this is the next steps. What are the next steps? I always have next steps. So if they say yes, next steps are, I'm going to send you a contract. I'm going to send you an invoice. And as soon as those two things are done, once you paid it and you signed, we're going to get started. I'm going to do a kickoff call in two days or whatever the time frame mm-hmm. is. And we're going to move and shake. It's going to take this long. And this is what it looks like. And I always preface with what will happen next when you, when they say yes. And what will happen next when you say no, mm-hmm. if you say no, and you truly just, it doesn't make sense. Amazing. No problem. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow up with you in 30 days, check in on you. I really care about you and your business. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to check in, get a pulse on where you're at. If you never work with me, no problem. We're cool. But if you could refer people that you think I can help or serve, that'd be amazing. Wow. Asking for the referral after a no, that is badass. I love that. Why not? What do you have to lose? <laughs> I have nothing to lose because I can't help you. doesn't mean I can't help any of your friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So divorcing yourself from the outcome. What does that mean for you exactly? Yeah. So that is the whole premise of showing up and not having an ego about it. Mm. To me, when I show up to a call, especially a call in a service-based offer or a digital offer, such as like design, marketing, any of those things, it's always Mm -hmm. about severing the tie that I have, the emotional attachment I have to what happens on that call. And that is simply divorcing the outcome. I am not concerned with whether or not you say yes, with whether or not you buy. And that's how I serve at the highest level. Because I know you don't care about me, (laughs) but you care whether or not I can solve your problem and what that looks like. And so when you do like, it's literally a a mental check. Like I am not attached to the outcome of this call, this result. I'm not attached to this. And then you show up to the call and you, because you've told yourself, I'm no longer attached to this outcome. You serve, you Mm. actually serve people. You actually (laughs) serve. Um, That's entirely the premise of divorcing the outcome. 
Mm-hmm. This has been so amazing. I learned something from you every time we talk. You're amazing. You're a sales genius. <laughs> oh, thank you. So much. <laughs> Is there anything else you feel like must be said about sales? I think the number one thing that not enough people say is that it doesn't have to be as complicated as you're making it in Mm. your head. It's literally about talking to people, presenting a solution to the problem that you can solve and then solving the damn problem. That's it. (laughs) That's it. Uh, I am all about, I am all about the simplicity and it is true when you frame it, like we were talking about in the beginning of our conversation, like this is a moral obligation that you have to go out and serve and provide your gifts to the world and help people solve their problems. It doesn't matter what it is that you're offering. If you can actually solve someone's problem, you are morally obligated to do so. Yes, you are. Why wouldn't you do it? Like, <laughs> and, why, then, and why wouldn't you get paid to do it? Exactly. And then get thing. paid. <laughs> and then get paid. Yeah. Show up, serve, get paid to do it. That is mm-hmm. it. Like, and then always remembering that you chose this. You chose this occupation. You chose this business. You chose this. Mm-hmm. Remember why you did that because that is truly your moral obligation. Preach. <laughs> preach. I could all day. I could talk about this all day long. <laughs> uh, amazing. Okay. So I want everybody listening to tag Allison E. Conway and Sheena underscore works on Instagram and let us know what your favorite mic drop moment of the episode was. I think mine was going for the referral after a no. I think that is, I didn't even think of that. That's amazing. It's a big one. It's a big one that you don't think about because who does that? Yeah, you do. (laughs) I do. Because I'm not here to just sit around, man. I'm here to make money and help a lot of people. (laughs) Uh, All right. Amazing. Tag Allison E. Conway and Sheena underscore works. And let us know what your favorite mic drop moment was. All right, Sheena, you have been amazing as always. Thank you so much for having me. This is amazing. I love, love, love talking to you. So let's get to some more time to just chat. Yeah, I am all about it. I'm all about it. 